You might have heard it said before that the first time a sermon is preached is to the preacher, him or herself. Have you heard that before? And this isn't talking about standing in front of a mirror and rehearsing a message over and over again until it's perfected before the congregation gets to hear it. We're talking about how in all the preparation and prayer leading up to the Sunday, that how somehow the Holy Spirit takes that word and plants it in the preacher's heart. And in that process, somehow, the preacher's own human weakness and the preacher's own need comes to light. You want to know the truth? This is 110% my experience in preparing for today. And I don't think it's by accident that I happen to be preaching Joshua 4 in this whole People of Promise series. A couple months ago, just before Pastor Tom left, uh, I had an incredibly trying day at work. Many of you might know that I'm a sign language interpreter, and I've been doing that for about 20 years now, just over. And it's a field that I love. It's such a privilege to be a part of it. But there are times when we encounter these incredibly challenging situations that are emotionally charged. And in those moments, we have to keep our own emotions in check. Because if we don't, the whole situation can go downhill pretty fast. Well, for 20 years, I've managed this well. And I've been able to handle these difficult things, and they were face or space far enough apart that there was time to kind of recover and recuperate in between. But however, during COVID, during this last year, the number of these hard cases has risen. And there was this span of three days, where in three days, I had four traumatic or emotionally charged situations that had come up. I had numerous other things on my heart at the same time. And under that pressure, I kind of hit my max. And so I, I texted Pastor Tom, and I confessed that I was a bit of a wreck, and I needed somebody to pray with. Then um, I took two weeks off of interpreting. I needed some time to kind of calm myself down and spend some more time with the Lord. I'm not someone who's typically struggled with anxiety, but when it came time to go back to work, I struggled big time. I seriously wondered if I could manage more hard. Would the Lord really give me what I needed? Would he really be there with me? What if I couldn't do it? It was very shortly after this that I started the preliminary work of preparing for the message today. And as I reflect on the stones that, that Joshua, or that the Lord commanded Joshua to have taken out of the Jordan River, and how they'd be placed where the Israelites would stay, I thought about how the Lord said they were to be a sign. They were to be a sign, and when the children asked, what do these stones mean? There would be an opportunity to remember and share an awesome testimony of an amazing God. So I started to look back at my life, and I asked the question, what are my stones of remembrance? And in my reflecting, I was reminded of time after time and challenge after challenge that God saw me through. When Jehovah Jireh, my provider, showed up and came to my rescue, 
Not every situation was some monumental thing like parting the waters. But still, his fingerprints have been consistently evident. There was the time that we were devastated by miscarriage. And in a variety of ways, God was there whispering, I love you. I am with you. In time, our hearts found healing, and we found the strength to carry on. This is one of my stones of remembrance. Now, I'm going to hope these stones don't fall over as I do this. <laughs> Another time, I was days away from heading out on a mission trip to Ethiopia, and I discovered I was a little bit shy of the funds that I needed. A friend had heard about this and showed up with some extra donations. Guess what? They were exactly the amount I needed. So I thanked the Lord for his divine intervention. And that was another stone of remembrance. When I was pregnant with our youngest, my water broke at 32 weeks. She was born premature and she spent some time in the NICU and the stresses and challenges that went along with that, including a pregnancy-induced blood clot in my lung, were numerous. But God carried us. And that was another stone of remembrance. So we're going to put this one here and hope they don't fall. There are many other stones of remembrance in my life. But the point is, in this most recent situation, my eyes admittedly look towards the storm instead of these stones here. I struggled to remember, and because of that, my faith struggled too. Forgetfulness really is the greatest threat to our faith. Conversely, as gospel singer Mendisa says, remembering God's faithfulness in the past fuels our faith for him in the future. Not so ironically, since revisiting some of these stones of remembrance in my life, I've been going to work with a different mindset. My fear and anxiety have decreased, and my confidence has been restored. Now, I know I'm not the only one that struggles. How many of you can relate? Is there something that you're feeling yourself worrying about or feeling anxious about, whatever it is, let me repeat. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past fuels our faith for the future. What I don't want you to hear me saying is that if you remember God's faithfulness, you'll breeze through life and you'll never struggle again. That's not reality. But remembering a big and able God who accomplishes signs and wonders, remembering a God who rescues and provides for all your needs, relying on a God that promises to walk with you, to never leave you or forsake you, no matter what, will most certainly help you through whatever struggle you face. I guarantee it. You know, in some ways, the Israelites were just like us. We read in Exodus about how God, um, God provided manna from heaven. And each day, for the first six days of the week, they were to collect this manna, but only a day's worth. 
except on the sixth day, because on the sixth day, they could collect enough for the seventh, which would be the Sabbath day, the day of rest. These instructions had come straight from the Lord. Yet because of the Israelites' worry, some of them still went out on the seventh day. A bit later, though, God had just demonstrated his trustworthiness and his provision. It was as though they were struck with amnesia. They were thirsty and they grumbled to Moses about the lack of water. The first time I heard this story, I thought, wow, how could they be so ungrateful? How could they forget? But I soon realized, often we're no better. There's a Presbyterian minister by the name of Jack R. Van Enns, and he once said, in the midst of controversy, one of the first casualties is perspective. So in remembering, let's take a closer look at three things in this Joshua story that we need to remember and why. As you just listened to Fred read, the, the, read the, today's passage, did you happen to catch the repetition of the phrase, the Lord your God? In verse 5, it says, go over before the ark of the Lord your God. And then in verse 23, it says, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you. And then later, the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea. And then in the final phrase, in verse 24, it ends with, so that you may always fear the Lord your God. This emphasis on the Lord your God is the reminder that the Israelites were covenant people. God is reminding them of who he is. And along with that comes a promise of identity. So what do I mean by covenant people? Back in Genesis 17:7, God makes a promise to Abraham and he says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting God between you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Likewise, in Jeremiah 31:1. I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they will be my people. My people. The Israelites belong to God. They are his. And as part of the future generations, that means we are his too. We are part of this family of God, and that's our primary identity. Doesn't it blow your mind to think that the God of the universe says, you are mine. There's a sense of security and confidence that comes with knowing this. This is why it's crucial to remember our, our identity. And that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. We need to remember God's faithfulness. According to the Merriam-Webster, synonyms for faithful include constant, Dedicated, devoted, devoted, loyal, steadfast, dependable, reliable, solid, trustworthy, unfaltering, unwavering. Human beings have always fallen short in upholding their end of that covenant. But our incredibly loving God never fails in upholding his. Joshua 4 is a perfect demonstration of this. Look at the very first verse. 
It says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan. It starts that way. The whole nation. God's faithfulness excludes no one. It's for everyone. Would an unfaithful God make sure that every last person had crossed over, that they'd crossed over safely to the other side? And in verse 11 of this passage, it says, as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priest came to the other side. So again, we hear that all were all included. God was also faithful in making a way and showing it to his people. You might remember from chapter 3, the ark, which is where the presence of the Lord was, went ahead and the Israelites, as soon as their feet, the feet of the priests who were carrying it touched the water's edge, the water stopped flowing. As long as the presence of the Lord remained in the river, all the waters were cut off. There was dry ground for the people to cross over. He made a way where there was no way. Now, what are these memorial stones? We learned from today's story that there were two sets of 12. And the number of 12 is significant because they represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Inclusive of everyone. His faithfulness does not discriminate. According to verse 9, one set of 12 stones marked the place where the priest carried the ark. The other, as we read in verses 19 and 20, were set up at Gogol, where the Israelites camped out after crossing the Jordan. These stones point backwards, but they also point forwards at the same time. They look forwards in the sense that our faithful and loving God knows his people. Though they have just overcome great obstacles, he knows that the promised land isn't going to be smooth sailing They'll encounter the Canaanites, and there will be new obstacles and battles. And he knows that they're apt to forget. As the sermon title suggests, forgetfulness is the greatest threat to our faith. This is the reason that the Lord instructs Joshua to construct these memorials. In faithfulness, he knows Israelites need a tangible reminder of his presence and power in the past. And this is the looking back part so they can have a solid faith in him when facing these future challenges. But that's not all. When we look at verse 6, it says, In the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And in verse 8, these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Similarly, in verse 21, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. In this, we see God's faithfulness to all generations, including us. Please don't miss the fact, though, that we have a role to play. We need to tell these God stories to our children and to others. If we don't, how will they know? How will they, too, learn to trust our faithful God. Forgetting is not only a threat to our faith, it's a threat to theirs as well. The third thing I want to highlight, and this is probably the most important, we need to remember the power of God. Our human minds are limited, so we can't even fully grasp it. 
but we can get some idea. To recap on, you've already heard this a couple times, but as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. And the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, that's the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. Under normal circumstances, this would already be an incredible display of power. But gathering a little bit more contextual information, we know that this was happening in a rainy season. And so the water levels were high. And actually, the Jordan River was overflowing her banks. But the word says, no sooner had they meaning the priests who were carrying the ark, set their feet on those dry grounds on the other side. The waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood level as before. Powerful. At the end of chapter 4, we learn why the Lord did this. I'm just going to read that last verse again. It says, He did this so that all people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Let's not forget, the same God spoke the world into being. The same God set the stars in place. At a word, the same God calmed a storm. Not once, but a few times. The waves and the wind know his name. The same God raised people from the dead. Like the Israelites, though, sometimes we need help to remember. Sometimes we need physical, tangible reminders. We need help with this. One way to remember is by keeping a prayer journal. You can look at it and review it regularly. Other people maybe write their God stories on slips of paper throughout the year, maybe put them in a jar or something, and open it up and read them on New Year's Eve. When you leave the sanctuary today, you'll see a table at the back there, and it's got a bowl with a bunch of small stones in it. There's also some Sharpies, and I want to invite you to take a rock as an invitation and a tangible reminder to remember the power of God. You can carry it with you, or you can um, put it in a prominent spot where you'll see it regularly. And if you're watching from home, Maybe have some materials at home where you can do something similar. And at the conclusion of the message, the worship team is going to play a song. And I want you to consider just closing your eyes and reflecting as you listen. And as you do that, reflect on the lyrics. Reflect on the stones of remembrance in your own life. Maybe think about a word that you want to write on your rock. Mine simply says, remember. I also want to acknowledge that there may be some with us today that don't have a personal relationship with God yet. If this is you, know that this awesome God sent his one and only son into the world for you. Jesus was perfect and sinless and the exact representation of the Father. When we live our way instead of God's, we sin and break the covenant we spoke of. The consequence of this is death. However, when Jesus died on the cross, he did so in our place. And in the sight of the God, in the sight of God, this act wipes our slates clean 
If you believe this and you want to declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we will have prayer servants available to the side after the service, and they would love to lead you through prayer. Wouldn't that be something to start your memorial stone collection? Caleb's going to play here. And I, as, he, as he plays, I want you to think about this. I want to ask a question. How might it change the way that we face future challenges if we kept our identity, God's faithfulness, and God's power at the forefront of our minds? And just think how many people might come to know the Lord if we don't just keep these God stories to ourselves, but step out of our comfort zones and share them with others. Brothers and sisters, God is writing the most incredible story, and he wants your help in writing it. He's calling you out. Will you answer?